Welcome back, U.S. History. So, we are on part two of World War One, at least the United States' involvement. So, we left off talking about the war being over. So, I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute, why is there a part two? We'll keep listening. We'll find out. So, anyhow, um, Wilson, uh, in charge of the United States, sees the war is over, and he sees an opportunity to make sure that the world can be safer for all in a peaceful world. He was very, had a, had a good ideology. He, he, he wanted a safe world, a peaceful world. So he decided to come up with 14 provisions or 14 points that he wanted to make. And if, if the world followed these 14 points, then the world would be a safer place. So let's go through them. Number one, no secret clauses in treaties. Everything had to be out in the open for all to see. Think of it just like World War I with the alliances. If you attack one country, it's like attacking all of them. Well, sometimes there's fine print. You know how it says, like, seaside for details. Okay, well, if everyone knows all the fine print, then there won't be any kind of accidents or kind of like, well, I didn't realize I signed up for a 10-year contract. You know, those kind of things. So, anyhow, no more secret clauses. Get rid of that. Number two, the seas should be free to travel for all people. So you can't own water. There's these things called international waters. That's actually still around today. So people can't fight over who owns water if everyone can you know, travel the water for free. All right, number three, if you are part of the League of Nations, then you should be able to trade without discrimination. All right, basically, it made trade with between people non-discriminatory. You can't be like, well, I don't like you, so I'm not going to trade with you. Or I'm going to tax the heck out of you when you want to trade with me. All right, in that League of Nations, hold on, we'll get there. All right, all countries need to reduce the size of their military. Well, that kind of makes sense. If, you know, people have smaller militaries, maybe they won't go want to go to war or not easily go to war. And even if they did, it wouldn't be a very big war, like a world war or like a World War II. Ha! Huh, spoilers. All right, number five. The colonies of the conquered should be divided up fairly and in the best interests of the people living in them. All right, so we defeated Germany. Germany had control of Tanzania or something like that, some, some little country or colony or whatever somewhere. All right, so that area, well... What happens to them? Because they were under German control. Germany is no longer in control of stuff. So, hey, let's give them freedom and see what the people want and kind of go from there. Makes sense. Number six, uh, kind of going along with recognizing countries and colonies and so forth, recognize, um, recognize the independent states that formed because of that Russian revolution that we alluded to earlier. Number seven, Belgium, which the Germans marched through to get to France, needs to be free and recognized. Number eight, all French territory should be restored and freed. So all that stuff that the Germans took over, give it back. All right, number nine, Italy should be adjusted according to nationality. So Italy kind of had some shakeups there, and they didn't really know who was under what control and whatnot. Think, go back to nationalism unit uh, for world history and talk about Victor Emmanuel II, Camillo di Cavour, Giuseppe Garibaldi, and all those good people there. But suffice it to say, there were some different groups there. Let's adjust according to those groups, and so we're not trying to lump everyone together. Number ten. Remember, there's 14. The people of Austria-Hungary should remain in control of their country. We shouldn't see any unnecessary shakeups, like, I don't know, getting rid of the hyphen and making two separate countries like Austria and Hungary. Oh, wait, that's what happens. Spoilers. Number 11. 
Romania, Serbia, Montenegro should be evacuated, occupied territories restored, Serbia accorded free and secure access to the sea, and the relations of the several Balkan states to one another determined by friendly counsel along historical established lines of allegiance and nationality. <sighs> Sorry, I ran out of breath. I couldn't do it. And international guarantees of the political and economic independence of the territorial integrity of the several Balkan states should be entered into. All right, bottom line, Romania, Serbia, Montenegro, and some of the, you know, Serbia area and just the Balkan states in general, all this area, we need to be, you know, all those areas need to be free. They shouldn't be under control by anyone else. And just kind of let them be and let the people understand and know what they want to do and kind of go from there. All right, the Turkish portion of the of the present Ottoman Empire should be assured a secure sovereignty or freedom, but the other nationalities which are now under Turkish rule should be assured an undoubted security of life and absolute unmolested opportunity of autonomous development. Once again, let the let Turkey basically be under their own control in some of the areas around there as well. So bottom line, we just don't want this kind of imperialism thing of taking over other countries. It's kind of what led to World War One. Don't let that happen at the end of World War One because it could happen. Uh, all this could happen again with World War Two. Spoilers. Number thirteen: A independent Polish state should be erected and have free access to the sea. So let's create Poland, basically. And finally, fourteen, and this is the big one: A general association of nations, also known as the League of Nations, must be formed under specific covenants for the purpose of affording mutual guarantees of political independence and territorial integrity to great and small states alike. Basically, let's create a whole group of nations that come together to solve problems. And if we all do this, then it will basically make life better for everyone, secure independence, and everything. All right, so everyone looked at Wilson and said, hey, thanks for the advice, but we're going a different route. And Wilson ended up having to concede or change many of his 14 points. And then the other guys, mainly Britain and France, got together to discuss what was going to happen to Germany. Now, Wilson, as I said, had to change a lot of stuff. He really did not get his way on many of his 14 points at all. But he did persuade them to create the League of Nations and the definition of League of Nations, an organization in which the nations of the world would join together to ensure security and peace for all of its members. Now, Wilson then left after the creation of the League of Nations and kind of talking about all of his points and whatnot to try to go back to the United States and get the United States on board with the League of Nations. And the League of Nations is very similar to NATO, if you've heard that one before, North Atlantic Treaty Organization, a group of nations that work together to preserve peace for everyone. So if you attack one of the nations, it's like attacking all of them. Now, the downside of this, um, at least with the League of Nations, was the League of Nations didn't have a formal army. They, the League of Nations depended on all of its participating countries to send troops. And if they didn't want to send troops, oh, we have no way to enforce this. So back in the United States, when Woodrow Wilson is pitching this idea of this League of Nations, 39 senators rejected it. Uh, they really didn't like the idea of backing up other countries with our military. That's not very fair to us. Why is it that country X starts a war you know, thousands of miles away, so we send our troops to go die to help out? And the public was against it for basically the exact same reason. Most of the people wanted to stay away from 
the world events. We didn't want to get involved in another war. So we became isolationists or we favored isolationism. And that's what most of the people wanted. So like I said, Wilson had to compromise on all these things. They started to redraw the map. Austria-Hungary got split up. Germany lost a lot of territory. Um, there was a war guilt clause that basically um, was part of the Treaty of Versailles that made Germany take full blame for the war, even though it was probably more Austria-Hungary. It's kind of like if you have a sibling and they do something bad and you get yelled at for it. It's like, wait a minute, it's not my fault. They did that. Um, also, Germany had to pay reparations, uh, which is a payment for economic injuries suffered during a war. Think of it like this. You break it, you buy it. So Germany had to pay $33 billion, which they didn't end up paying off until 2010. Um, and Germany was already in ruins during this time, just like everyone else. So they didn't exactly have a ton of money lying around that they could pay that $33 billion, like I said, 2010. So... The Germans didn't like this Treaty of Versailles. They felt it was way too harsh, all right? Specifically, that war guilt clause. Also, they had to demilitarize the Rhineland or get their military out of the Rhineland. That'll come important later. They weren't allowed to have more than 100,000 troops. They had to have restrictions on their size of their navy. They couldn't have any U-boats whatsoever. They weren't allowed to make poison gas. They weren't allowed to import it or export it. They couldn't have tanks, submarines, military aircraft, no artillery. All this was prohibited. Their territory was lost and split up. They had to pay that $33 billion in reparations. Bottom line, the Treaty of Versailles was very harsh against the Germans, and they didn't want to sign it. Well, sorry, Germany. You lost the war. You got to sign it. And this is going to come into play later because because all these other countries were really mean to Germany, the Germans kind of like rose up and was like, we don't like this. No, we don't like it. We're not going to take it. No, we're not going to take it anymore. And Hitler was like, yeah, we don't want to do this. This is crap. Everyone follow me if you don't like the Treaty of Versailles. And Hitler came to power. Well, the United States, we never actually signed the Treaty of Versailles. We thought it was too harsh. So we actually signed a different treaty called the Treaty of Berlin. Now, just real quick, a um, couple last things to finish up this unit before we move on. Um, something that we don't talk about too awful much, but after World War I, there was the 1918 flu epidemic, uh, epidemic sometimes known as the Spanish flu, uh, improperly named, and it was basically the H1N1 influenza virus. And we figure around 50 to 100 million deaths occurred, um, uh, took place because of this flu pandemic that went on. Uh, I'm sorry, flu pandemic. I'm, I think I said epidemic earlier, but pandemic. Um, anyhow, 500 million were infected. Around 3 to 5% of the world's population, um, just to give you an idea of how many people we're talking about here. And just to give you a little perspective, around 38 million people died in World War I. We're talking an additional 50 to 100 million afterwards. Mostly it was the young or old, basically people who are already weakened. So this was a big event in a world that was already devastated. Like I said, 3 to 5% of the population was wiped out by this, which is huge. All right, now one little last thing kind of before... We, we move on here, and this is going to come into play a little bit later on with some of our other units and actually modern day, too. Uh, so, anyhow, it's a court case. Schenck versus the United States, and this was in 1919. So, basically, during World War I, Charles Schenck mailed letters to draftees, remember the Selective Service Act, telling them not to report to active duty or to war. 
Now, he was convicted of breaking the Espionage Act, also known as the Sedition Act. And this was a wartime law aimed at spies and people who opposed the war and the government for that matter. And it was, the, the original Espionage Act was extended with the Sedition Act. That's why they kind of go hand in hand. Now, Charles Schenck here, he said, no, 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 I'm using freedom of speech. I can tell people not to do stuff. It's, you know, it's up to them if they want to listen or whatever, but I can do freedom of speech. And freedom of speech is kind of relative to what's going on during that time period. So while, you know, for instance, you know, you don't want, you know, free speech. You can't exactly go in a public area and yell out fire, fire, or something like that. You're going to cause panic. So sorry, no freedom of speech. Um, you know, modern day, you can't really yell out stuff about uh, terrorists and guns and bombs and so forth because of the current climate of our world today. Prior to September 11th in the United States, it probably wasn't that big a deal. But now you say something like that, you know, you will get arrested. And so bottom line, the court said no. All right. The court can get rid of freedom of speech when it violates clear and present danger, like yelling fire in a crowded area or a gun or something along those lines. Anyhow, the reason I bring this up is this is going to shape some of the things that are going to be happening here in our next few units. And like I said, modern day stuff uh, when we get into kind of our terrorism unit. And that's way down the road for the rest of the year. But anyhow, just kind of where this happens now, it's kind of an important thing, even though it seems kind of small for World War One. So anyhow, we are going to stop there for today um, with World War One is over now. And we're going to kind of get into, uh, you know, the roaring 20s and what's going on in the United States after World War One, which was a pretty prosperous time. So anyhow, we'll get into that momentarily. So hope you've enjoyed. Stay tuned. There's more.